You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Today, we are starting a brand new sermon series that we're calling A New Way to Be Human. And I'm very excited about this series. And a lot of the content from this series is going to be coming from this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is by a pastor in the Portland area uh, by the name of John Mark Comer. And it's a book that has really challenged me and has really made a difference in my life. So if you want to kind of dive deeper into all the things that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, I highly encourage you to pick up that book and read it throughout this series. It'll be a great compliment. But also this series is really in response to a survey that we gave our church at Easter. Every single Easter, we give a survey to our church. And this past year, we asked what, like, if we could talk about anything, what would help you the most? Like, what are the things that you're saying, man, help me with this? And believe it or not, the number one answer that we got on that survey was emotional health. And that's what this series is going to be about. So this series is for you that check that box. This series is for all of you that are always busy, always in a hurry, always on the go, always maxed out. This series is for those of you that feel like you are a professional plate spinner. This series is for those of you that always have more to do on your to-do list than time to actually do all those things. This series is for all of you that always feel tired, exhausted, worn out, burnt out. Uh, For those of you that feel like the gas tank of your soul is always on empty or dangerously close to empty. This series is for those of you that constantly feel worried, stressed out, anxious, even so far to say, man, I feel depressed. This series is for those of you that feel guilty Whenever you're doing nothing, this series is for those of you that feel awkward and uncomfortable with silence and when it's quiet. In other words, this series is for every single person with a pulse. (laughs) This series is for those of you that deep down, that you know that you know that you know in your soul that how you are living your life is not the best way to live your life. This series is for those of you that there's a part of you that you just believe with all your heart that there has to be more. Has to be more to life. Has to be more to what you're experiencing. And let me just go ahead with a big smile on my face, give you some good news. There is more. Like God has more for your life. If what I just described, described your life, I promise you, God has more for your life. In fact, Jesus said this in John 10, 10. This is a staple verse at our church. Jesus says that I came so that they could have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. In other words, Jesus is saying, I didn't only come to save you for your to save you from your sins so that one day you can be in heaven. I came to show you how to live your life right now. And it's better than what the world offers. It's a more and a better life than what you could possibly imagine. Another way to say this 
is that the best possible life that you and I can ever live is found actually like we talked about last week, following Jesus. That it's the best life. It's better than anything that this world can offer. The best life that we can live is found following Jesus, living like he lived, doing what he did, talking like he talked, prioritizing what he prioritized. And if you want to know kind of what that looks like, if you want to know what this series is really all about, it's this, that if you want to experience that life, If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. I believe this is why Jesus came. Not just to, not, because if he only came to save you from your sins, he could have sat down, done that, and went back to heaven. But he didn't. He lived for 33 years. Why? Because he wanted to show us there's a better way to live life. It's actually the best way. And so if you want to experience that life, you need to adopt his lifestyle. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. We're going to be looking at the lifestyle of Jesus. How did he live his life? But I do want to warn you right off the bat that his way of life, like, like his way of life, living life, the way that he lived his life, it looks extremely different than the world that we currently live in. The life that Jesus has for us, it is a more and better life, but it is so different than the culture that we are currently living. It looks so different, so night and day different that it's almost like it's a brand new way how to be human. And this week, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, this is a really content heavy day. Uh, I'm really setting up the rest of our time together. And so I I hope that you're taking notes. We actually provide uh, in the worship guides something for you to write down or maybe grab your phone and take some notes. I believe that note takers are history makers only because they remember. Because when they forget, they can go back and and read what they wrote. So so take some notes. And today I want to kick off this series with a message that I've just simply entitled, Houston, we have a problem. Like those famous words from the Apollo 13 uh, flight to the moon. Houston, we have a problem. And just to have a little bit of fun in church and a moment of honesty, just to make sure that we're all on the same page. I think, by the way, I do think church is a very safe place to be honest. And so just in a moment of honesty to ease the tension a little bit today, a little bit of participation, I would love for you to raise your hand if you've got some problems. Come on, anybody in here got some problems? Don't T-Rex arm, put that thing way up. Let everybody see you got some problems. And that make you feel better? Welcome to Queen City Church, where there's a room full of people that love Jesus but got problems. Uh, how many of you have so many problems that your problems have some problems? Come on, raise your hand. Raise both hands up if that's you. Come on, how many of you are sitting next to your problem? Just don't, do, do, not, do not raise your hand on that one. Don't do that. You'll get in trouble. Don't do that. <laughs> By the way... Just let me love you. If your hand never went up, that is your problem. Just so you know, that is, that is your next time you can participate. So today, my assignment is very simple today, church. My, my assignment today is to help us see that we got some problems. Isn't that fun? Okay, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you uh, for gathering us all here today, whether it's in the room, whether it's online. We are so grateful and um, God, we, we really don't want to go through the motions today. We don't want to play church. God, when we open up your word that is alive and powerful, 
We want it to really speak to us. And so, God, we give you permission right now. We kind of pause our, our crazy week, whatever has happened. And, God, we focus. And we just ask that you would speak to us today, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey. God, I believe that you want to talk to us. And, and I ask that every single one of us would walk out of here different than how we walked in. We thank you so much for Jesus. And it's through Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now, a professor at Charleston Southern University uh, School of Business by the name of Michael Zigarellis, over a five-year span, conducted a study with over 20,000 Christians from all around, not just the United States, but from all over the world. And this study was trying to determine what is the biggest obstacle to spiritual growth. What is the biggest op obstacle to spiritual growth? And the number one answer may actually surprise you, believe it or not, here was the number one answer after asking over 20,000 people that question, the number one answer was this, busyness. Out of all the things, the number one thing was busyness. It wasn't sin. It wasn't addiction. It wasn't loneliness. It wasn't doubt or unanswered questions. It wasn't even like going through really hard things or experiencing trauma or experiencing like pain and hurt or heartbreak. No, the biggest obstacle to spiritual growth was, was busyness. Now, here's what blows my mind. I told you it was over a five-year span. That five-year span that this study was conducted was 2002 to 2007. Guys, in 2007, you want to know what was invented? The iPhone. So this whole study was done before smartphones even were in our pocket. And so I want you to think about all the time that you spend every single day on your phone. Think about that screen time report that you probably got this morning that said you were either up or that you were down. Think about all that. This whole study was done before that even was an option. So how many of you think that life has only gotten a little bit busier over the last 15 to 20 years? I'm telling you, we live in a world where right now we are constantly busy and always in a hurry and always on the go and we never have enough time to do all the things that we're doing. Come on, is it just me? Am I just preaching to myself or is anybody else? Can anybody else relate to that? I'm telling you, we can relate. It's almost like church that we are addicted to busy. It's like we're addicted, we can't get enough. It's like a drug and we can't get enough hits. Think about this. Have you ever noticed that like right now, if you begin to just ask people, like, how are you? Think about that one of the most common answers that you will get. Try this this week at work. Just ask people, how you doing? And like really mean it. You'll be amazed how many times the answer that you get back is, I'm so busy. Have you noticed that? You notice that oftentimes that is our auto response when people ask us how we're doing. And, and it almost is like we wear it as a badge of honor. 
Like the busier we are, the more proud that we can be. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Well, according to this study, that badge of honor is actually our biggest obstacle to spiritual growth. And this study says, it actually says this specifically, it may be the case that Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry and overload, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And the cycle begins again. Pastor John Ortberg, he puts it this way, and he'll just shank you with this one. Warning, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, it is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Wow, just, just gets you. Corey Tin Boom says this, that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Now, if you think about it, that's so true. Because if you really take the time to think about it, the consequences of sin and busyness are the exact same thing. Because sin, it separates you from God. So does busyness. Sin, it, it can separate you from relationships with other people. So does busyness. Whenever we're busy, a lot of times the first thing to go is like meaningful relationships and time to really talk and really time to share and how it's going. And then also, even more than that, oftentimes sin has a way of even like separating your connection to your own soul. I'm telling you, I'm just going to be straight up. The time where I felt the most spiritually numb is time where I knew I was in constant sin. And I think the only way to really get through a moment like that is you just become numb and your heart becomes hard. Well, it's a consequence of sin, but there's also a consequence of busyness. It's so easy for us to just become numb. And the truth is right now, we live in a world, in a culture that has like a literal busyness epidemic. But the truth is that does not line up with the more and better life that Jesus has to offer. Because if you really think about it, if you think about what is the highest value in the kingdom of God, if you think about reading through scripture, Genesis to Revelation, what is the highest, most valuable commodity in the kingdom of God? I would argue that it is love. And if you think about if love is the highest commodity, here's why. Because in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it actually says that God, not that he has love, it says that God is love. And then if you think about why in the world would God, who is love, why would he send Jesus to this earth? Well, scripture tells us in John three sixteen that his motivation for sending Jesus, that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. First John chapter four, verse 10 says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, his whole motivation for sending Jesus was love. And then when Jesus was on this earth and he was, and he was asked by somebody, what is the most important commandment out of all the commandments in this book? Here was Jesus's answer. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment, but I can't leave this second one out because it's equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus says, hey, if you want to know the most important thing in this whole book, that this whole book is about, it's loving God and it's loving people. That's what is so That's the most important. See, love, it is the highest value, the highest commodity in the kingdom of God. And so church, listen closely, lean in. We have to understand this fact, that hurry, being rushed, always being busy, hurry is the enemy of love. They don't go together. It is like the spiritual equivalent of oil and water. They, none of this, they don't go together. In fact, I was thinking about it this week and all my worst moments have come when I was in a hurry. All the times where I haven't been loving has been times where I've been in a hurry. Let me be honest. All my worst times being a husband to that beautiful young lady on the front row was when I was in a hurry. All the times that I know that I haven't done a really good job of being a dad, it's when I was in a hurry. All the times that I've, I've, my biggest failures as a friend, as a son, as a brother, as a coworker, as a boss, it's come whenever I was in a hurry. And I think that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in Paul's description of love, the very first thing that he says in verse four is that love is patient. That that's what love is. Love takes its time. It's not in a hurry. That love is patient. But the truth is, we have a problem. It's that many of us live Like we're living every single day, day after day, week after month, year after year in this constant state of being in a hurry, of always being busy, always maxed out with no margin. And it's leaving us in this constant state of being tired and exhausted and numb. And you don't even have to just take my word for it. In fact, just do a little bit of Google searching and you will find that psychologists and mental health professionals are talking about this stuff right now. In fact, there's a brand new legitimate diagnosis for constantly living life this way that's called hurry sickness. And the definition is this. It's a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Guys, this is not something that a pastor invented. This is something that literally a psychologist said, hey, we got a problem and we got to diagnose this thing and let's call it hurry sickness. Another psychologist, he literally calls this a disease of lifestyle. This hurry sickness, a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. So 
Maybe you're like, well, do I have that? Do, I like, how do I know? Well, I, I want us to take a test together. How many of you like taking tests? It's okay. Raise your hand. Be proud that you like to do that. You ruin the curve for all of us, okay? So just, we still love you. I like tests. Okay, yeah, cool. Good for you, okay? But I, wanna, I, I want us to take a test together. And, um, and I'm going to give you actually 10 characteristics of this hurry sickness, according to psychologists. And if, 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 if every time I go through one, if, I want you to write them down. And if it applies to you, I want you to check a box beside that. If you're like, yeah, that's kind of my life right now. That's what my life sometimes looks like. Okay, so 10 characteristics of hurry sickness. Here's number one. I will tell you right away. Before I read any of these, these are probably going to get up in your kitchen and mess around a little bit, okay? Don't get mad at me. It's what somebody else came up with, okay? Number one is irritability. Irritability. You, by the way, do not poke anybody beside you. Don't be like, this is you, okay? This is just you. Focus on you, okay? Irritability. You easily get mad, frustrated, or annoyed. Little normal things bother you. People have to tiptoe around your constant low-grade negativity, if not anger. Your life is irritable. Number two, hypersensitivity. Minor things quickly escalate into major things. All it takes is one small comment, one negative email, or an unexpected change to hurt your feelings, set you off, or ruin your entire day. In other words, you can't roll with the punches. Normal, normal, ordinary problems have a disproportionate effect on your emotions and relationships. Hypersensitivity, if that's you, check the box beside it. Okay, number three is restlessness. When you actually do try to slow down and rest, you can't. Relaxing is hard, if not impossible. You always have to be doing something. It's like you cannot take your foot off the gas pedal of your life. There's restlessness. Number four, compulsive overworking. Whether it's your job, house cleaning, or errand running, you don't know when to stop. Or worse, you can't stop. Your drugs of choice are accomplishment and accumulation. Number five, emotional numbness. You live in a constant fog. You don't have the capacity to feel pain, yours or another's. You have very low empathy for others. In other words, you cannot put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Joy and laughter are very rare because the truth is like emotionally, you're just kind of numb. Number six is out of order priorities. You feel di disconnected from your identity and purpose. Maybe you don't even know your identity and purpose. You always get sucked into whatever is urgent, yet you don't have time for what really matters to you. Life is often reactive and not proactive. Number seven, lack of care for your physical needs. You don't have time. You just simply don't have time for eight hours of sleep or daily exercise or home-cooked meals. Like your life 
would not function without coffee. Okay, or stimulants. You get sick multiple times a year. You constantly wake up tired. Even when you get a good night's sleep, you wake up and you're still tired. Lack of care for your physical needs. Number eight, escapist behaviors. Instead of dealing with things, you turn to distractions, which could be things like overeating, overdrinking, binge watching Netflix, constantly browsing social media, video games, looking at porn, whatever can take your mind off of what normal life is. It's escapist behaviors. Number nine, it's slippage in spiritual practices. When you're busy, the first things to go are the things that are truly life-giving to your soul. Things like personal time with God and prayer, reading your Bible, taking a Sabbath, going to church, serving, spending time with godly community that as soon as everything gets busy, those are the things that seem to go. Slippage in spiritual practices. And last but not least, number 10, is isolation. You're constantly disconnected from God and others. And even when you're around people, it feels like you're alone. So 10 characteristics of this. So add it up. And how did you do? In a moment of honesty, and I think this is important, just how many of you would say, man, I at least checked one of those characteristics. I see that. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. How many would you say at least three? How many five? How many seven? Yeah. Like here's, here's why I do that. I, I, I don't do that to bring guilt or shame. Not at all. I do that because of one reason. I want you to see that you are not alone. You're not. You're not the only one that is living life this way. In fact, this is what normal life is. But the truth is we need more than normal. Because how many of you know, like, normal isn't working? That's the reason why you check the box on the survey. There's a reason why there's a part of your soul that knows, like, this is not it. There's a reason why we're living life with all these different consequences. It's because normal, it just isn't working. In fact, let me take it a step further. Normal is toxic. Normal is destructive. Like, it's just not working. And that's why I love what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that says, do not conform to normal. Like, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Like, you don't have to live life that way. The message paraphrase, it actually puts it this way. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking about it. So yeah, we got some problems. And let me just love you enough to tell you that they're not, these problems are not gonna be fixed by you sleeping in an extra day or going on another vacation. We need more than that. Like we need a change of our lifestyle. We need a brand new way how to be human. And that's exactly what Jesus came to offer. Because the life that Jesus came to offer is so much better than just normal. He says, I came to give you a more and a better life. In fact, the life that he comes to offer you, it actually turns normal upside down. 
let me put it this way. I think he turns it right side up. He turns it to the way that you and I were designed to actually live. So if today the light bulb is going off and you're saying, Houston, we have a problem. But yes, I have a problem. There's an epidemic that is going on. If that's you with a huge smile on my face, let me tell you what Jesus is saying right here, right now to you. This is the invitation of Jesus today. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus says this, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I, here's a promise, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find real rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The message paraphrase of those same exact verses says this, and maybe ask yourself this question, are you tired? You find yourself at Queen City Church today and are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? The invitation of Jesus is this, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me, parent with me, have friendships with me, live life every single day with me and watch how I do it. I love this next sentence. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live. I love these two words. Just think if your life could be described with these words, freely and lightly. Come on, don't those verses, even just reading those, that it just feel like oxygen to our souls. Almost like that's true and we know it. It's like even just reading that, you don't even have to experience it. Just reading it, it just feels like. And I just feel like that's exactly what we need. And at the same time, if I was very honest, when I read those words, at the same time, it feels like it's so far away. Almost like it feels like it's impossible. Like, I don't know if my life could ever look like that. And maybe if you read that and it feels like that to you, let me just say this to you. That is a promise from God. And let me just tell you, our God is so good and he will never make a promise that you couldn't actually experience. He would not put that there if you couldn't live it. So let me just tell you, even though it feels so foreign, even though that feels like that could be a million miles away, you can experience that. You can experience those words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. So if you're like me, you read those words from Jesus and you're like, okay, so what do I do? How do I experience that? Like, 
how can my life begin to look like that? Like, how can I tap in to, to that type of life? How can, how can we experience those type of promises? Like, how can we practically live the type of life that Jesus came to offer us? Not just that, like, how can we experience the life that Jesus, he came and paid for us to be able to experience today? If you have that question, how? I'll actually tell you that over the next four weeks. Sorry, I ran out of time. But I want to encourage you to be here because we're going to lean in to what does that actually look like? And here's what I think. I think we're going to discover there's a whole brand new way how to be human. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and Before we end today, we do want to take a moment, and we do this every week, and I want to encourage you to just quiet your soul just for a moment. And the reason why we do this is because we want to just create some space to hear from God. Our God is a speaking God, and he loves to talk to us. And so regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, I wanna ask you, right in that seat, if you're watching online, I wanna ask you to pray this prayer. Would you just say, God, what are you saying to me today? Not to my neighbor, not to the person on the other side of the auditorium, but God, what are you saying to me today? Maybe ask him, what does my response need to be to this message, God? Like, whatever you're saying, is there a next step And maybe today, God opened your eyes to some stuff today. Maybe you're aware of some things that you were unaware of 30 minutes ago. Maybe God has shined a very bright light into some unhealthy things that are in your life. And if that's you, please hear me. God would never do that to make you feel guilt or shame or condemnation. In fact, in, in, in Romans chapter eight, verse one, it says there's no condemnation, there's no guilt, there's no shame for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, he's trying to get the guilt off of you, not on you. And he's not bringing any of this up to hurt you. He's bringing this up to help you. And let me take it a step further. He's bringing this up to heal you. And, and it's only because he loves you. And he doesn't want you to feel condemnation. Here's what he wants you to feel. He wants you to feel conviction that will actually lead to some positive change, but maybe the reality is today is that you are right now carrying so much guilt and shame. And please hear me, you do not have to go one more second carrying that guilt or shame. Like God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to give his life, to die on the cross, not only to pay for your sins, but to also pay for your guilt and your shame. You don't have to hold it for one more minute, but for you to experience that, you have to make the conscious decision to let Jesus take that. And maybe you've never made that choice. Maybe you find yourself at church today and you are far from God. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said yes to receive the free gift of 
of grace. You've never said yes to following Jesus. And today you are carrying your own sin, your own guilt, your own shame. But maybe you are here and you have already made that decision. At some point in your life, you have given your life to Jesus, but for whatever reason today, you find yourself far from God again. And today you just need a fresh start. We wanna give you that opportunity. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward. We, we don't wanna embarrass you in any way. All I wanna do with every eye closed and head bowed, I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, if today you know that you need to get right with God, whether it's for the very first time or it's all over again, and you know that is what you need to do before you leave this place. If you're here and that's you, I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to boldly put your hand up in the air and say, would you include me in that prayer? I need to get right with God. If you're here and that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, I got you, I got you, I got you. It's awesome, I got you, I got you. I got you. Anybody else? It says, man, that's my decision today. I got you. Anybody else? Yeah. You can put your hand down and just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I am desperate for you. I'm dependent on you. And today I am sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come right now? And will you live inside me? And will you change me? Will you make me brand new? God, right now, I give you my life. In fact, just say that. Say, I give you my life. I surrender my whole life to you, everything. And today, I give you specifically my sin. I give you my guilt. I give you my shame once and for all. And right now I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness and I receive the fresh start that you paid for me to have. And I choose to follow you. Not only today, but tomorrow, not just for the month, but for the rest of my life, I choose to follow you. Thank you so much for Jesus. And it's through the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Church, let me just say this. There were some people that were in this room, maybe people that watched online, and they just made what we believe is the most important decision of their life. And right now the Bible says that heaven's throwing an absolute party for them. And so why don't we join with the angels in heaven? Come on, can you clap your hands? Come on and just tell them how, how happy you are for them, how proud you are of them. It's awesome. Amazing. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at queencitypeople or visit queencitypeople.com.